Hello, and welcome to the Workforce Insights with Employment Milwaukee podcast, where workforce development is our business. I'm Shaitania Brown, President and CEO of Employment Milwaukee, the local workforce development board serving Milwaukee County. As the economy continues to ebb and flow in its recovery from the pandemic, many people are exploring a variety of options relative to generating income. When times get tough, people get entrepreneurial. Recessions and economic downturns and disruptions in the United States are typically marked by increases in entrepreneurial activity. Even with that, entrepreneurial activity during the pandemic has been exceptional. When the onset of the COVID-19 forced furloughs, layoffs, and business closures, people responded by starting small businesses in large numbers. According to the Census Bureau, more than 4.4 million new businesses were created in the U.S. during the 2020 the year the pandemic hit, the highest total on record. For reference, that's a 24.3% increase from 2019 and a 51% higher than the 2010 to 2019 average. For many people, the chance to start over, experience life from an owner's perspective, and to provide value in product and or service delivery to clients is a prospect worth pursuing. So to explore the ins and out of business development further, I'm excited to be joined today by business and community leader, African-American Chamber of Commerce of Wisconsin, president and CEO, and my Zeta Phi Beta sorority sister, Nikki Purvis. Nikki brings a wealth of business development, leadership experience to the table, having previously served as the city of Milwaukee's inaugural chief equity officer. She also provided strategic direction and oversight for the city's small business enterprise business inclusion program. I'm looking forward to hearing her insights. So welcome, Nikki. I am so glad to have you on Employment Milwaukee's podcast today. Well, thank you so much, Shaitania. It's such a a pleasure to be here, uh, my dear sweet sorority sister. Um, It's just really exciting to be able to talk about uh, this work, which is really near and dear to my heart. So we'll dive right in. Um, Listeners, you're going to be in for a treat. So, Nikki, you have extensive background in public and private sector leadership. Can you share with our listeners a bit more about the journey that led you to your current role as president and CEO of the um, African-American Chamber of Commerce of Wisconsin? I can. So, you know, I, I it's, sometimes it's really awkward to talk about myself um, because I'm so invested in the work and I like to keep the focus um, on the work itself, but since you asked, <laughs> um, so you know, I, I come from from really humble beginnings. I have a very diverse uh, work history, and each of those uh, roles have impacted who I am as a leader and, and a colleague, um, and how I show up as an individual. Um, in college, I majored in sociology uh, with a minor in philosophy, and so I've always been invested. And drawn uh, to people-centered work. Mm-hmm. So the 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 crux of, of my experience is really centered around people and helping to connect them uh, to resources that are beneficial and valuable to their lives. Um, so for the past 13 years, I was employed with the city of Milwaukee, as you mentioned, and I had the opportunity to advocate for and support a small disadvantaged businesses that were interested in doing business with the city, uh, providing whatever uh, goods and services the city needed to operate um, as an organization. Um, and so as part of that work, I was able to develop relationships and strategic partnerships 
within the small business ecosystem and work with organizations similar to the chamber uh, to support uh, programming and share resources. Um, and during that time at the city, I was able to uh, serve on several nonprofit boards within the community, um, such as the chamber I served as the, the chair of the board mm. uh, prior to my role here. Um, as president and CEO, but also served um, as a commissioner for the Social Development Commission. Um, I currently serve on the board of UIDA as well as uh, Legacy Redevelopment Corp. So all of these organizations have been really critical, again, and central to uh, my work, the people-centered work, and it really is mission-aligned and in alignment with, with my values and, and um ensuring that I'm supporting uh, the community. Um, but prior to my work at the city, I served as um, in big box retail. So I was in mm. management for uh, Target and Kohl's, and I really was able to develop um, the leadership skills that I, that I have now and have really impacted how um, I lead with empathy and being able to share that knowledge and information with the businesses that I engage with. And that's interesting to hear you say prior to going to the city, you were with big box retail. Oftentimes listeners um, or, you know, individuals looking for employment think that the pathway is always straight. You come on, you start here and this is the way you go. And in life, it doesn't happen that way. I mean, you, you get on, you get off, you come back on, but you're always carrying something with you and, and thinking about carrying something with you. How has the transition been? Um, from your role as the chief equity officer with the city and to this role with the African-American chamber? You know, it has really been an amazing experience. Um, I, I certainly love public service. I planned on retiring from the city, um, but it really has been a tremendous transition. Um, there's been such an outpouring of support uh, from my colleagues, um, to the, the higher education institutions that I attended to just, you know, just people that I met along the way that said, look, we're invested in the work that you do. We're invested in you and we're certainly invested in the mission of the chamber. And so um, that, that has certainly been uh, helpful. We go from the comfort of an organization with almost 7,000 uh, employees mm. and 28 departments to a small nonprofit with three staff and you're responsible for everything, right? right? But it, it's been really great, especially because I'm familiar with the landscape, um, have partnerships and connections with several of our members um, and the board and the staff have been really amazing as well. And so being able to leverage those relationships uh, that I developed uh, while at the city has really been um, helpful. But most importantly, I'm just really passionate about our mission. And so that's, that's definitely helped uh, with the transition from chief equity officer to this role. But this has allowed me to marry those two mm -hmm. together with the support of small businesses, but the racial equity work. So I'm centrally focused on Black businesses. And so that in and of itself is, is outstanding. That's good. That's great. And, and that's where that taking what you've learned and bringing it to, even though they may not always be in that same industry or in that same thing, it's always something that helps to care, whether it's relationships, <laughs> partnerships, all that stuff means something as you continue to move around. So uh, thanks for pointing that out. Um, according to the US Small Business Administration, nearly half of all Americans, 47.5%, 
are employed by small businesses. How many of the chamber's member organizations are classified as small businesses? And what are the greatest challenges and opportunities facing those organizations that you see? So I would say that the majority of our members um, who are business owners, because we do have a mix of individuals who are, um, have membership, have a membership with the chamber. Uh, the majority of those are classified as small business. That's, so I'd say roughly 95, 95% of our mm-hmm. member base. Um, but, you know, just the, definite, the definition of a small business based on SBA 5 standards could be 26 or $35 million in annual gross sales. So mm-hmm. uh, by definition, yes, the majority of our, our business owners are classified as small business. And I would say the, you know, the greatest challenges consistently are tied to access to capital mm-hmm. um, and having the opportunity to, whether it be through um, investing by large angel investors or um, being able to access a traditional uh, loan from a financial institution always is a challenge. A uh, part of that is, um, you know, the, the lack of business credit, but also uh, it could be the lack of, of assets to be able to obtain traditional uh, financial uh, lending opportunities. And so the other side of that is just the access to opportunities to engage on contracts. Um, I was at a, a, a event last night and having a conversation with a small business owner saying, how do I just get in the door? Mm-hmm. How do I you know, build those relationships with the decision makers and get them to invest in me and understand that I provide just as much value as, as any other business that they've had a, a long-standing relationship with. So being able to break those barriers will mm-hmm. are constantly, you know, issues as well. Um, and then the final thing I had a meeting this morning and we were talking about, you know, small business owners understanding their financials and how, you know, really understanding your cash flow and how to read a financial statement. And do you know that you maybe you're going out of business just because you have cash in the bank doesn't mean right. that, you know, you're a viable business. So all of those things definitely play a role. Wow. And, and those are things that you see kind of slightly off script a little bit. There's been quite a few resources that's come from the American Rescue Plan Act um, to go toward uh, businesses and, and including many to go towards small businesses. Have you seen any um, changes or, or have you seen that making a difference to some of the businesses that you all uh, work with? To a certain extent. And mm-hmm. the first I will say is, you know, there is a uh, Main Street bounce back grant. Uh, which offers $10,000 to uh, businesses that are looking to expand into a vacant space. And so um, I believe it has to be 400 square square feet in a commercial space. Mm. And so, you know, those dollars help support working capital, help to cover rent. Mm-hmm. And so we've been able to see that uh, those dollars are having an impact on businesses being able to expand and be in a position that they may not have been before. Mm-hmm. But the larger infusion of those dollars that were awarded by the governor, um, we have yet to receive those dollars. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> we know they're forthcoming, but we certainly are optimistic about the, the impact that those dollars will have um, on our communities as it was a direct infusion to um, ethnic and diverse businesses, uh, organizations that support those businesses. 
Okay, I was just curious about that because every time um, we're seeing these announcements and things of that nature and being kind of front um, and center with the small businesses to see if it's having any impact. So the wealth gap between underrepresented populations and white populations has been a challenge for some time now. Um, how do you envision healthy Black-owned business being a critical component of closing the local and national Black-white wealth gaps? So, you know, the way I see it is, as we all know, small businesses really play a critical role into the local economy. Mm -hmm. And so the more, uh, and, and you see that um, individuals who are looking for employment tend to be more comfortable with um, businesses that are owned by people that look like them. Mm -hmm. so the more uh, Black businesses we can create that are healthy and thriving, we know that there's a direct correlation to um, increasing the number of individuals that are gainfully employed. Um, then that's able to contribute to our local economy. They are able to sustain themselves. Um, and so for me, um, that component of ensuring that people have access to good quality paying jobs um, and that there's more people in positions of power and they're able to advocate for themselves and change the trajectory of their lives because they're not depending on anyone else to provide that uh, security for them. I mm -hmm. think that, you know, that is uh, when we'll be able to see um, that wealth gap, uh, the wealth gap close. Yeah, when we think about Black-owned businesses like in cities like Atlanta, New Orleans, and Washington, D.C., typically um, those are the cities that come to mind. How would you describe the local environment for Black-owned development, and what does the future um, outlook look like to you from your perspective? So, you know, when you open, you mentioned um, the creation and generation of, of new entrepreneurs and new businesses during the height. Uh, of the pandemic. And I think that's really, you know, been an eye-opening experience um, and a reassurance to entrepreneurs or those that are considering entrepreneurship that it is, it's a viable option. And so um, I think there's a new, a renewed sense of possibilities. Um, there are perfect examples to point to um, and to see that, you know, they were able to create uh, a a viable business during one of the most challenging times of our lifetime. Um, and so I think there's, there's um, again, just a, a renewed sense of possibilities. Um, but also, as you talked about um, the ARPA resources, those substantial investments uh, to organizations like the chamber have really, will really be impactful. This chamber received $5 million. Mm -hmm. And so we have, as you know, with the terms of American Rescue Plan Act, that money needs to be spent within uh, a couple of years. So, yeah. so there's a, a, a huge task ahead of us, but those dollars uh, in coordination with funding that we receive from uh, the State Economic Development um, Association through our local philanthropic, philanthropic partners will definitely uh, get us more closer to a thriving environment. And we've seen a lot of that uh, on the workforce development side where, you know, people are saying, well, where are people? Um, they're not, we can't find people. Where are they? And you're right, from kids to the mom and dads to the grandmas and aunts, people decided they had the time to really kind of 
think about their passion, create something new. Internet became very favorable. We couldn't get out and people were able to market and, and do lots and lots of selling. You know, I hope that continues. But what it does is it create um, sometimes the way we traditionally look at people working. You do it by pulling employer roles. When you have entrepreneurs, you don't necessarily, especially new ones, they're not showing up on your traditional employer roles, which then makes it look like, well, where are all the people? A lot of people decided to go and be entrepreneurs. We think about um, populations that we serve, such as reentry populations and giving them options. Um, where some of them that may be their best option is to go into that route. So I'd like to see it continue to grow. We know people were able to do this before the opera funds. And so um, I'm hopeful that they will continue even when those um, American Rescue Act plan funds go away. So does the African-American of Chamber um, of Commerce engage with other chambers of commerce throughout the community or do you primarily um, stick within your lane? Well, we certainly do partner with other chambers of commerce. Um, we are part of a collective called the Ethnic and Diverse Business Coalition, oh, okay. um, which has representation from every um, ethnic and diverse chamber in at least the Milwaukee metropolitan area. And so a perfect example of our partnership is, you know, the advocacy component of um, applying for ARBA dollars. Mm. So, you know, there was value in uh, working together to ensure that everyone had access to those dollars and that we could ensure that we could provide those critically uh, important services to our members. So um, we also work with um, the American Indian Chamber of Commerce as well through our revolving loan uh, program. And, and, and the majority of us are 501c3 organizations. Mm. We're not going to turn anyone away, uh, but of course, our mission is to support and champion the growth of small, uh, not just small, but black, uh, black owned businesses. Has technology, you know, with the increased use of technology, has it impacted the chamber in any type of way, whether positive or negative? I would say it's definitely positively impacted. I mean, because of our use of technology, we were able to uh, continue the operations of the chamber uh, through the pandemic and, and pivot uh, quite well. And so um, we, it has also given us the opportunity to have a greater reach beyond our footprint in Milwaukee. So, you know, mm. we held a lot of our programming and technical assistance online and that's given access to, to business owners across the state and even beyond the ability to uh, partner with us and engage in our programming and, and technical assistance. That's awesome. So for business and or entrepreneurs who may be interested in becoming a member of the African-American Chamber of Commerce of Wisconsin, can you share the benefits and amenities of joining and then how, also, how can you um, be contacted or the organization be contacted? So there's a, a couple of uh, things that I think are important for us to highlight. One is um, one of our uh, goals is to ensure that we are advocating on behalf of Black-owned businesses and our members. So as a member, you gain a voice uh, in government and our um efforts to ensure that any policy decisions are going to be beneficial to Black businesses, even if they're not uh, part of our membership. Um, there is an increased visibility in the community. Um, the chamber hosts events 
uh, in programs and networking opportunities. So that gives you know members uh, an opportunity to connect with like-minded um, small business owners that they may be able to partner with on uh, projects or contracts or just you know engage with as thought partners or be able to talk through some of their challenges um, and successes. Um, but it also oftentimes the chamber will be contacted. Um, by uh, news outlets or um, private entities seeking um, to engage with uh, small Black-owned businesses or Black businesses in general. And so um, as part of our membership directory, we do share that information. Um, to, and so that's a, a great way for uh, publicity or potential business-to-business um, -business operations. And as we draw this podcast to a close, I ask all of my um, individuals who come on, as a leader, what do you want your legacy to be? I just want to be known as a woman who served and served well. It's, it's really straight, straightforward. I have nothing fancy to say. <laughs> hey, that speaks volumes. We are to be of service to others. And so that speaks volumes. Again, thank you, Nikki, for sharing your insights and your journey with us today. It's a pleasure having you on um, the show. And are there any parting words that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Yes, because you asked me how they could get in contact with the chamber and I didn't share that. So, um, you know, if anyone's interested in becoming a member or just connecting with some of our programming, you can reach us at um, on our website at www.aaccwi.org. You can uh, reach us by phone at 414-462-9450, or you can email us as well, um, info at aaccwisconsin.org. Thank you again, Nikki. Glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Workforce Insights with Employ Milwaukee, where helping people live their best life is our business. Be sure to like, share, or subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about Employ Milwaukee, check out our website at www.employmilwaukee.org. That's www.employmilwaukee.org. Until next time, be safe, be brilliant, and give it your all.